Welcome into Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Wednesday edition of the program. I will be in Las Vegas Thursday, Friday, into the weekend. So there will not be any Outkick the Shows. I do want to tell you, there's a couple of great wins and losses podcasts up. Uh, One with Alexi Lawless about basically the history of American men's soccer as using his career as a window to view that from 1994 up to uh, the present day and projecting into what 2026 might be like. Encourage you to go listen to that. And phenomenal interview with Miranda Devine about the New York Post breaking the news story uh, surrounding the, uh, uh, the Hunter Biden laptop and all of the resulting fallout. If you kind of have a sense for what that story is about, but have never really had the opportunity to dive into it in earnest, I think you will really enjoy that podcast, uh, and I would encourage all of you to go check that out. Um, So those are on the Wins and Losses podcast, also in the Clay and Buck uh, podcast feed. Again, encourage you to go check all those out. I think you will enjoy them. Long form, uh, and there's like 50 of those long form interviews that are up now. Uh, You can scroll through, check them all out, and uh, enjoy them at your leisure if you're going on a long drive. Uh, If you've got a trip and you need something to entertain you audio-wise, lots of great options in there. I think you will enjoy them. Right off the top here. As well, I want to give... Happy birthday greetings to my Aunt Pris, who is 100 years old today. Technically my great aunt, my grandma's sister, born in 1923. She lives in Birmingham, Alabama, has lived there for almost her entire life. Uh, She has lived since my great uncle, who was a World War II fighter pilot, died uh, in his 80s. Wilbur, she has lived on her own in Birmingham up to and including the present day. She is currently hospitalized, not particularly healthy uh, right now. She's been a little bit sick. Uh, In fact, she has pneumonia um, and she's barely spent any time in the hospital in her entire life, but she is having her 100th birthday today. Uh, My mom is down there, took her a cake. Uh, So, I mean, 100 years old. Imagine what she has seen living from 1923 to 2023 in this great country. Uh, she is having, uh, has had a tremendous life uh, in Birmingham, and uh, I just want to make sure that I wished her a 100-year birthday today. A um, bunch of different stories that I want to dive into. I'll start with the AFC and the NFC Championship games and give you my picks on what I think we are going to see in these two games. Um, and uh, I'm doing that on Wednesday, obviously, because I'm not going to be doing this show on Thursday or Friday. And so I am going to take the Chiefs, okay? It's a tough call. Chiefs are right now around a one and a half or two point underdog. This line has moved quite a lot because we don't know how healthy uh, that Patrick Mahomes is going to be. The Bengals have won, I believe, three straight in a row against the Chiefs. Won it last year in Kansas City to advance to the Super Bowl. Ultimately, however, I like the Chiefs. I just feel like the Chiefs are going to bounce back and win this game. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to play at a fairly healthy level. Granted, he has the high ankle sprain. I'm sure that that will be a hindrance on his ability to scramble. 
but I think he will make enough plays as the Chiefs starting quarterback who plays throughout this game to get the win. So I am on the Chiefs right now. Now I'm betting on Wednesday. So if you're placing your bets on Wednesday, if suddenly on Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, we get news that Patrick Mahomes is not going to play, obviously that would change my opinion on this game. But as we are speaking on Wednesday afternoon, based on the fact that he has been participating in practice, uh, I believe that the value play is on the Chiefs as a home underdog against the Bengals. I also like the under in this game. I think the defenses are going to come to play. You saw how well the Bengal defense underrated story played on the road in Buffalo. Chiefs defense has been playing very well also. I believe both of these defenses will come to play. So I am on the Chiefs and the under in the AFC championship game. NFC championship game is a tough call. Ultimately, I am going to take the uh, 49ers as the road underdog as my play in this game. I'm also going to take the under in this one as well. Why am I taking the 49ers? I've been saying it for a long time. I think the 49ers have the most talented roster in the NFL outside of the quarterback position. So far, however, Brock Purdy has played well enough that he has not cost the San Francisco 49ers so far. Jalen Hurts played well, did not throw for a lot of yards, however, in that game against the Giants. I think he's going to have to play at a very high level for the Eagles to win this game against the 49ers. I am taking the 49ers. I'm on the under. I'm also on the under in the Chiefs game. So I like the Chiefs. I like the 49ers. And I like the under. These are Wednesday afternoon picks. I reserve the right to adjust. But if I'm betting right now on Wednesday, uh, if we get more information, I'm a little bit nervous about the 49er health situation. Uh, They've got Debo McCaffrey, several other players sitting out right now. But ultimately, I like the overall roster of the 49ers. I like Shanahan more than Sirianni as a coach. He's been here before. I think the 49ers get the win. I think the Chiefs get the win. And so I am thinking we'll have, from a gambling perspective, uh, a Chiefs 49ers win with the under uh, going forward there. Aaron Rodgers. I talked about this on uh, Fox News this morning on Fox and Friends uh, with Brian Kilmeade. And... Aaron Rodgers went on and said that he still feels like he is treated as a villain over his decision on the COVID shot. Uh, And I think that may be true, but I think that is fading very rapidly as more and more people become aware of how unnecessary the COVID shot was for young, healthy athletes in particular. It becomes harder and harder to justify that all of these guys were forced to get the COVID shot. And so as we continue to follow this and track it going forward, to me, to me, the biggest storyline out here is that Aaron Rodgers is going to become more of a hero going forward. Uh, The biggest challenge that we have with COVID in general, and I'm going to talk about this with uh, Joe Scarborough and his idiocy, is that lots of people out there, refused to admit that they were wrong about the COVID shot. Not only because of the COVID shot, but because in order to admit that they were wrong about the COVID shot, they would also have to acknowledge that all of the people that they have spent years ridiculing for refusing to get the COVID shot, that all those people were actually right. 
And that is a huge part of the story right now. That's why Joe Scarborough is out there on his morning television show saying that anyone out there who is criticizing him for saying, oh, I got COVID after three shots, but if I'd gotten the fourth shot, I would have been fine, is a moron. Uh, I think that what Joe Scarborough can't acknowledge and isn't willing to recognize is that he was 100% wrong on the COVID shot. And so he supported the Joe Biden vaccine mandate. He supported all the people getting fired. And now he's in the back of his mind suddenly realizing, wait a minute, the COVID shot doesn't work. And I'm actually so dumb when it comes to looking at data that I went on my national television show and argued that the reason I got COVID was because I'd only gotten three COVID shots instead of four. And, you know, the cognitive dissonance is so powerful that Joe Scarborough, who used to represent one of the greatest places in the United States, the panhandle of Florida. And do you know, I guarantee there are a lot of people who used to vote for Joe Scarborough that didn't get the COVID shot and they've never been happier. I didn't get the COVID shot. It wasn't because I was like anti-vax, because I looked at the data and I said, I've already had COVID twice. Why in the world would I go out and get another COVID shot when the natural immunity data was quite strong? And the idea that there was ever a mandate, I thought was crazy. And I have never been happier. Every single day, I'm happier that I made the choice not to get the COVID shot and that I did not allow my young children to get the COVID shot either. Because I know there are a lot of people out there, many of them even blue checks, some of them even like Joe Scarborough who make a living in media that are desperately still trying to argue in favor of the COVID shot that in the back of their minds know that they are imbeciles, that they are morons, and that they have shifted the argument they made. Because on his own television program back in early 2021, Joe Scarborough came out and said, if you get the COVID shot, you'll never get COVID and you won't spread it to anyone else. And that's why we have to have mandates. And now both of those things are 100% untrue. And even Scarborough himself, after getting three COVID shots, has now gotten COVID and he got it seriously, he said. And he said, well, if I had a fourth shot, it wouldn't have happened. No, no. These COVID booster shots work for very small amounts of time, just a few weeks, really, a month or two at most. And the new data that is continuing to come out reflects that the more COVID shots, actually, the more likely you are to get COVID. So the true scientific evidence is the exact opposite of what Joe Scarborough is telling all of his audience. And I just don't know if he's not smart enough to know the truth or if he is willfully misleading them because he knows the truth, but he refuses to acknowledge that all the red state rubes, the people that he used to represent who lived down on the Florida Gulf Coast, that they were right not to get the COVID shot. And him, as an elite New York journalist, was 100% wrong. You're a moron. You should be embarrassed and ashamed of your idiocy, Joe Scarborough. Every time you open your mouth, you just make the argument more clear of how wrong you were. And right after that, we'll continue the discussion. But first... A momentary break. Uh, Tom Brady is touring Miami schools. Uh, this is interesting, right? Look, I've got kids. I've toured schools before. It doesn't mean that your kids are going to go to that school, right? A lot of you out there probably have been to private schools before, toured them. Your kid didn't end up going to that school. 
So maybe it's possible that Tom Brady is looking in multiple cities uh, as potential locations for where his kids are going to go to school. But there are videos taken by the kids of Tom Brady taking a tour of Miami area schools. Now, maybe he and Giselle have decided, hey, we're getting divorced, but Miami is going to be our base even post-divorce. Whether you continue to play football or not, Tom, the kids are going to be based in Miami. So maybe that's part of the decision that's being made. I would just point this out. Tom Brady was close to going to Miami to play for Stephen Ross, the owner of the Miami Dolphins, who is a University of Michigan graduate. Stephen Ross got caught uh, trying to get this deal done with Brady while he was still under contract. Stephen Ross has got an unhealthy, still dealing with concussions, Tua, who is under his rookie contract and doesn't cost that much money. I think the most likely location for Tom Brady is Miami. Can you imagine Brady throwing to Tyree Kill? Can you imagine him throwing to Jalen Waddell, Mike Gesicki, all of the playmakers that are on that offense for the Miami Dolphins? Getting rid of the football quickly to young, dynamic, likely creating more space than any wide receiver duo in the country in Waddell and in Hill. It feels like a match made in heaven. It would also allow Brady to go back to the AFC and play against teams that he knows quite well, Buffalo, New England, and the Jets. I don't necessarily know that it makes a ton of sense to go from the NFC to the AFC, but if he's going to do it, and if he wants to balance family and personal, and if he wants to go to a team that potentially is good enough to be able to contend for a championship, Miami Dolphins would make an awful lot of sense. That's why I think Miami is the most likely destination for Tom Brady in the event that he continues to play. I saw these numbers come out, and I couldn't believe how bad they were. I should say I could certainly believe how bad they were, uh, but I thought it was worth pointing out. This is, according to the University of New Hampshire, a 2024 Democrat primary poll. So New Hampshire, obviously, has frequently been the first primary for both Democrats and Republicans. Now, Joe Biden is trying to flip the primary calendar, potentially make South Carolina the start, because there's a concern that New Hampshire is not a diverse enough community for Democrats to be allowing it to have a substantial impact in who they select as their nominee. I would point out that the people of New Hampshire, along with the people of Iowa, not particularly infatuated with Joe Biden. The only reason Joe Biden is president today is because James Clyburn in South Carolina came out and gave his gesture of goodwill to Joe Biden, and basically everybody swept forward from that point. So what does this New Hampshire poll of 2024 Democrat primary voters tell us? Mayor Pete is actually more popular than Joe Biden. He's got 23% support. Now, what's wild here is black guys are not voting for Mayor Pete, all right? Black guys, and I'm just saying it, nobody else seems to be willing to have this conversation. Black guys who represent a substantial portion of the Democrat primary electorate are not voting for a gay white guy to be their nominee. They're just not. And it's as if the Democrats won't acknowledge it because they want to call everybody racist and homophobic and sexist and everything else. Their own political constituency, white people, Love Mayor Pete. White people overwhelmingly vote in the Democrat primary in New Hampshire. They would support Mayor Pete over Joe Biden, who's at 18%. That's pretty crazy that Mayor Pete is running five points ahead 
of Joe Biden, the actual president of the United States. Elizabeth Pocahontas Warren tied at 18. Bernie Sanders at 15. Obviously, Massachusetts, Vermont, close there to New Hampshire. AOC, yikes, is at 6%. Amy Klobuchar, 5%. Uh, Kamala Harris, 2%. (laughs) Democrats want to argue that it's racist and sexist of people not to like Kamala Harris. She's polling at 2% in New Hampshire right now in the 2024 Democrat primary. Now, maybe James Clyburn is going to endorse Kamala Harris one day, and it's not going to matter at all. But remember, Kamala Harris dropped out of the 2020 presidential race without even a single vote being cast because her primary campaign was such a disaster. And after two-plus years of being vice president in New Hampshire, 2% of the vote goes for Kamala Harris, 1% for Newsom, and 1% for the Reverend Raphael Warnock. That is a very, very scary polling result for Kamala Harris. I don't think Kamala Harris is ever going to be president. I don't think that Kamala Harris is ever going to actually be the nominee, although I'm looking forward to Democrats trying to explain how they are going to overlook the first female vice president and not nominate her without being racist and sexist by Democrat Party uh, standards as it pertains to identity politics. Uh, A couple of other stories I want to hit. I've been telling you this was coming for some time. I told you that the cable and satellite bundle was a huge bubble. And I wrote about this in my most recent book, Republicans Buy Sneakers 2. If you haven't read it, came out, I believe, in 2018, 2018, if I'm not mistaken, uh, four years ago, five years ago, whatever the heck it was. It's been a while. I'd encourage you to go grab it. You can read it. It's on audiobook. I read every single word. You don't even have to listen. You can just listen to me. But in there, I said a huge part of the sports universe has been this cable and satellite bundle. And all these regional cable sports networks are a shell game that are in danger of collapsing. Well, Fox, if you remember Fox Sports South, Fox Detroit, all these different Fox assets, they sold them to uh, Disney as part of the $71 billion purchase of Fox assets by Disney. This was Bob Iger's master stroke right as he left. And then the Department of Justice said, no, 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 you can't own ESPN, ESPN2, SEC Network, all these channels. So Disney, you have to sell all of these different regional sports networks. It's actually worked in Disney's favor because otherwise their balance sheet would be a total mess if they had kept these companies because basically Rupert Murdoch sold at the absolute apex of valuation for these regional sports networks. What's happened is the number of cable and satellite subscribers has collapsed. And so the overall existing business apparatus of these uh, stations has fallen apart as well. And I think this is also going to happen to a large extent with the national cable networks, but they first happen with the regional sports networks. So there is a report out there from Bloomberg that Bally Sports, which bought all of the, 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 the Bally Sports Network, if you watch a lot of your teams, they're now branded as the Bally Sports Networks, um, that all these, uh, these channels are going to have to file for bankruptcy. And so they are owing billions of dollars in debt. Cash flow has collapsed. And they're now going to have to file for bankruptcy. And this could be a hit 
to the overall revenue of many of these individual sports teams, right? Uh, So I don't know exactly how all this is going to shake out. I think the sports leagues are going to eventually have to take over all of their regional sports rights. And instead of all these different hodgepodge of regional cable networks, they'll just have to figure out a way to sell larger streaming product. But I don't know how well that's going to work. And it is sort of a, uh, not sort of, a significant marker on the cable and sports satellite bundle that I've been forecasting the collapse of for like a decade now. Um, And people said, oh, you're crazy. You have no idea what you're talking about, Clay. And look, lo and behold, I was right about cord cutting. I was right about all these details. Uh, It's just looking at data and analyzing it. And so Bally Sports now prepping for bankruptcy. Again, these were the Fox Sports regional channels that were then sold to Disney. Department of Justice saved Disney billions of dollars by saying you're not allowed to own these. Disney then sold them to Bally, and that's how the Bally Sports Networks have existed. And again, that report, and let me go ahead and pull it up so I can attribute it uh, accurately. Uh, we've got a story up at, on it about OutKick right now. The Diamond Sports Group, which is the, the entity that owns all these Bally Networks, is needs a massive $8.6 billion debt restructuring and Bloomberg is saying that they are going to uh, to have to file for bankruptcy. So this is going to be a mess. Major League Baseball, the NBA, um, uh, the uh, the NHL, all of these pro sports leagues that had these regional sports networks carrying their individual games. Remember, this is the local broadcast. So, like, I'm a Braves fan, and we get Bally Sports South, I think, is the channel the Braves are on now. Um All these companies are going bankrupt, so they're going to have to figure out how they handle these regional uh, markets going forward. Finally, uh, Alec Baldwin is set to star in a continuation of the movie Rust. Um, And this is the movie that he was filming when he shot and killed the woman on the set. He's been charged with two counts of involuntary homicide one of which would lead to five years imprisonment, the other of which would lead to 18 months imprisonment in the event that he was convicted. This is crazy to me. They're going to finish the movie. Alec Baldwin has been charged with two different counts of involuntary homicide, but they are now going to go back, even after he shot and killed someone on this film, and finish making it. Look, I'm not in favor of cancel culture, But I think it's not crazy that if you kill someone on a movie, maybe you shouldn't come back and finish filming the movie. Um, When you consider how many guys have got canceled for allegations of sexual harassment, just allegations, not necessarily any improprieties at all, and then Alec Baldwin gets to continue and just go out and finish filming Rust. And this doesn't even count. My wife's all fired up about the fact that he is... Uh, dating a woman who is named Hillary from Massachusetts and has changed her name to Hilaria and now pretends that she's Spanish instead of born and raised in America and uh, and that the whole Baldwin crime family is just a total joke and an absolute mess. And I kind of agree uh, with her on that. Uh, and uh, But this is wild, even for Hollywood standards, that Alec Baldwin showing up uh, and finishing the filming of Rust. All right, I'm headed out to Las Vegas. 
Wish me luck at the tables. Probably play a little bit of gambling out there. Uh, I will be on Clay and Buck Thursday and Friday live from Las Vegas. I'll be back here uh, on Monday with OutKick the show, getting you ready for whatever happened in the AFC and the NFC championship game. I'm on the Chiefs. I'm on the 49ers, both against the number and the under in each of these games. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. I am Clay Travis, and this has been OutKick the show.